From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shep, budget and appropriations reporter. And we thought we should try to sketch out today what could be part of the next coronavirus relief package that's already starting to take shape. So it could take months to negotiate or at least weeks, but um, it's already starting and, and there's talk of, of a bill coming within possibly days, some early version of a bill. And, it's, and it looks like it's shaping up to be a free-for-all, Jen. I mean, everybody wants something out of this, right? Right. There have been emails from pretty much every single industry or trade group out there laying out what they want in this next aid package. And part of the reason for that is that we really don't know what the economy needs or what the healthcare industry needs to last through summer. Um, As these cases, the curve essentially continues to stay flat, sort of at the top. Cases aren't really going down significantly the way that some had hoped. And so everyone is looking to this next aid package, which is possibly going to have a trillion dollar figure to see, you know, what is needed. And so that's one of the things that members of the House and Senate and White House are looking at right now and really trying to filter through kind of all of the noise to figure out what they actually need to include. And so we expect in the coming days, possibly by the end of this week, that House Democrats will release their proposal, their sort of opening bid in these negotiations, and then everyone will go from there. And it strikes me that we're seeing already a real clash in priorities here uh, between the parties that's going to make this package a lot more difficult to negotiate than the prior ones have been. You've now got Democrats already saying they want as much as a trillion dollars just in state and local aid, aid state and local government aid, which Republicans are resisting. If Democrats are coming out wanting extending unemployment insurance again, they want more cash payments to families. They're talking about rent and mortgage payment forgiveness or abeyance of some form. They've talked about uh, another round to extend small business loans. They've talked about even uh, subsidizing the health insurance that the unemployed workers get through the COPRA program. Uh, They keep adding and adding more and more things that they'd like to see. Uh, And then you've got Republicans trying to slam on the brakes. I mean, we had over the weekend, the White House Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow come out and say, we're really looking for a pause, is how he put it. We want to see how the programs in the past have been working. We want to see how bad the the virus gets or if it's abating before we rush into a new package. So that's going to be a tension just in terms of the speed of this thing. And then, of course, you know, you've got Republicans with some some priorities of their own that Democrats are really uh, leery of. Uh, One is you've got the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell saying he wants liability protection now for employers who reopen their businesses during the pandemic. And they, he's fearing this rash avalanche of lawsuits, as he put it, uh, anytime a worker gets sick, that they'll sue their employer charging it was the workplace that gave them coronavirus. And of course, Democrats are adamantly against that. They're saying workers deserve protection. They deserve to have proper protective equipment if they're going to be going back to work. 
and they have to have the right to sue to protect themselves. So that's going to be a fierce partisan debate. And McConnell's made clear that that's, that's a red line for him. He definitely wants that in the next package. The president weighing in with his call that he won't allow aid to go to sanctuary cities, which injects the whole divisive politics of immigration into this, into this package. And that's a whole partisan battle of its own. None of these are issues that are easy for lawmakers to figure out outside of a global pandemic and economic shutdown. And so when you add all that pressure on top of this, it's going to make this next round of negotiations for this fifth aid package really complicated and potentially um, extended outside the month of May, which we've just started. I mean, I think these negotiations are potentially going to be some of the longest that we've seen. I think it's going to take a really long amount of time before Republicans and Democrats start even working their way towards the middle on liability protections, as well as the state and local aid issues. Those are definitely going to be um, the biggest challenges in, in terms of just sort of figuring out this new world that we all live in. Um, not only as people, but then as employees or employers. And so I think that's going to be really, really challenging going forward. The only thing that might spur a quicker resolution would be, as we saw in the past, is if suddenly, uh, like the Paycheck Protection Program, these small business loans ran out of money and there was an urgency to get them new money, which spurred a fast round of talks. Uh, If something ran out of money or if this virus really got a lot worse, and and even more deaths were mounting, and there was a demand for you know you had millions more in unemployment, and somehow you needed a quick extension of unemployment benefits or something that would really trigger uh, speedy negotiations is possible. But I tend to think you're right, Jen. That that right now it just seems like it's going to be it's really going to take some time for them to come to grips on a compromise plan that they could both agree to because because the, the priorities here is, are so such a clash um, as, to, as to whether it needs to be done fast or slow and what needs to be in it. And then when President Trump brought up the idea of sanctuary cities late last week, adding immigration issues to this is just going to make it so much more complicated yeah. than it already was. And so if that becomes a serious part of these discussions for state and local aid, I think that could be extremely challenging in terms of actually reaching agreement on a fifth aid package. Yeah, I mean, for Democrats, that would really be a poison pill to have to deal with sanctuary cities, these these cities that uh, don't cooperate with federal authorities to, to help them enforce immigration laws. But to bar a major city from aid at a time of a pandemic, um, Especially a immigration like New York City that has experienced just so many cases right. and so many deaths. Um, to essentially try to loop out a city like that from, you know, local aid, I think is obviously going to be a non-starter for Democrats. But then, of course, um, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is from New York. And so that would that's just not going to go anywhere with the Democratic Party in the Senate. So that's a major issue. And then and then the other, of course, big friction point is the state and local government aid, because now, I mean, McConnell has been complaining that he doesn't want to bail out the states. And Trump has been saying he doesn't want to bail out Democratic blue states. Um, and, and their fault, they're, they're saying some of these states have been poorly managed and they've, they've racked up these huge debts from the employee pension plans. And the, Fed, the last thing the federal government should do is bail out those pension plans. 
Um, Democrats, of course, say all these states and cities are bleeding revenue from the economic shutdown and deserve help and that the money can be targeted for that and it, do- it doesn't have to go to pension plans. But but boy, that's a huge battle because there's a real reluctance of Republicans to, to be helping out a lot of these states. And one of the issues that the lawmakers from both parties are also discussing right now, which could be one of the very few areas of agreement this far out from um, you know, seeing actual bipartisan legislative text is broadband. We heard late last week from both Democrats and Republicans um, that they would like to include additional funding in the next package for broadband, particularly in rural areas. And one of the reasons for that is that as you know, summer gets going and we keep hearing speculation about the pandemic potentially resurging by the next school year, um, is that ki- a lot of kids could be facing another academic year of you know remote learning, and there are really yeah. really big concerns about children and families in rural areas or poorer areas who just don't have internet access falling really far behind. And so that's something that we expect to be in the next bill. And so right now it seems like there's bipartisan agreement that that should be in the package, although um, the devil is always in the details. And once you get down to negotiations and determining where money goes, people could go back to their corners again on that topic as well. Yeah, that does seem like one of the few areas where there's actually significant bipartisan support. So that that is a hopeful one, I guess, to have uh, broadband funding because there's buy-in on both sides on that one. There's a question of how much money will be available for that and how it gets distributed, of course. Uh, those will be details that have to be worked out. But uh, at least in concept, that one seems to have a good chance of happening. So there's that. But, you know, there's also, Jen, this, this sense, I think, you know, the past aid packages that we've had, there were disagreements over how to construct them, but there did seem to be a bipartisan sense of urgency for doing them and for just getting the money out as quickly as they could. Both sides seem to recognize the, the urgency of the situation. And now that we've had a few packages passed, particularly the big one, that $2 trillion package, you know, now there's more and more sense, not only a fight over what to fund, but whether they're funding it fairly. And they're going back to the last package and, and complaining that some of this money went out the door, but was it done right? And we certainly saw that in the Paycheck Protection Program with these small business loans where you know, Democrats were upset that a lot of larger companies were getting money that, and, and depriving small businesses of access to the, to the loan money they were promised and, and it was really designed for small business. And they say that large companies swooped in and took some of it unfairly. There's this tug of war now over, over how to distribute the money fairly, which is sort of clouding or at least risks clouding the next round of negotiations because there's already some resentment building up on, on whether these programs will be effective, if they make sense, if they're working right. Um, and that also feeds into Republican arguments that we need a pause because we need to see how these programs work. I think that adds another another wrinkle to these talks now. Not only are negotiators being tasked with looking forward to what the country needs in the next few months without really having a good understanding of how cases may stay the same or decrease or even potentially increase as some of these states lift their stay-at-home orders or modify those orders. Um, But I think lawmakers are also trying to figure out how the aid they've approved in previous packages is being spent. We've seen a lot of concern about that. So 
I think that also is going to play into future negotiations. And if you need any language in future bills, clarifying anything that you put in a previous bill. So the whole thing is very likely to get very complicated very fast. And so how long it takes lawmakers and staff and the Trump administration to kind of detangle some of these things and, you know, figure out legislative language and reach actual agreement, um, I think it could be a series of weeks. And of course, the other complication to this new package is they're going to try to negotiate it and possibly pass it with one chamber not even back in town yet. Well, so that's just this week. So the Senate returned to Washington and Capitol Hill on Monday night for a vote series that was very different than anything any of us have ever seen on Capitol Hill. Um, The House, um, under guidance from the attending physician and the sergeant-at-arms, said that they were going to stay out of town for at least this week. Um, and, you know, they're going to continue consulting healthcare officials on when they should come back. Um, but Speaker Nancy Pelosi, obviously the top Democratic negotiator in the House, is in Washington, D.C. Uh, Tuesday morning, she presided over a pro forma session in the House. Um, so it's not like she's back in California. And even if she was, it's not like she's unavailable for negotiations. Um, and so I think that's something that's going to be um, interesting, but not necessarily a central factor in these negotiations. It's really not clear when the House will come back. They're hoping next week, but we're not sure, right? Right. The House leadership doesn't want to bring members back until there's something to vote on. And so if we see House Democrats release their plan for the next aid package later this week, we could see the House come back and vote on that next week. Um, Another sort of interesting point happening over in the House is that even though they're not in session, the House Labor HHS Education Appropriations Subcommittee is holding a hearing on Wednesday on the COVID-19 pandemic and testing, um, which has been a little bit of an interesting affair in terms of who from the administration is allowed or not allowed to testify in front of Congress. And so that's another thing that we're going to be watching as they negotiate this next aid package is whether or not the Trump administration is really willing to let Congress work in that oversight role and hold hearings with its officials. So we'll have to see if these negotiations take place uh, on the phone, by video chat, or in a sparsely attended chamber wearing masks, right? Right. It's a very, very different feel on Capitol Hill um, and experience, not only for lawmakers, but for staff and really everyone that you know goes there to support that role. So some tough negotiating ahead, and we will be watching it all closely and seeing how it unfolds. Uh, That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shep, budget and appropriations reporter. Remember, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. 
and we'll be back next week.